Have you uh, messed around with Borderlands 3 at all yet, or are you interested in that? And so I'm, I'm going to get it, but I'm probably going to get it either tonight or tomorrow when I get off work. It all depends on how much I uh, get paid tonight from, uh, from Bodhi. Right. I, uh, I actually started playing it last night. Um, it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's really cool. I was playing as uh, Flack. And my buddy was also playing as Flack too. He's the one that you can have like a pretty much permanent sidekick. Uh, and there's like three oh, yeah. different. There's like three different versions. You can have like a like an arachnid looking like xenomorph thing almost, or it almost kind of right. looks like something from a uh, fucking Starship Troopers. Or you can have like a okay. monk, like a monkey. <laughs> so the, uh, so that that's the one I I chose. I've got this monkey running around with, with a fucking gun and shit. <laughs> and then uh, there's a third one who I've, yeah <laughs> I forget what the third one is, but um. <laughs> what was that monkey's name? From Captain Planet. Yeah. Fuck, I don't remember. <laughs> but um. <laughs> right, <laughs> just a monkey running around with a gat. Yeah, at least monkey like reach the remote for me. Like, yeah, monkey It's like, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> let's see you litter with a gun in your mouth. <laughs> but anyway, so what's up, guys? We're uh we're here for uh, episode three of the uh, Tide Podcast. I'm Adrian here with uh. My buddy Steve. Yo. And. <laughs> but, anyways, yeah, so we, we were just uh, giving a little bit of insight into uh, Borderlands 3 and how awesome it is. Uh, so, definitely recommend checking that out if you guys haven't yet. It's, it's a lot of fun. I only played for a couple hours last night, but I'm definitely going to get in some more time a little bit later tonight. But, anyways. Uh, and whether or not that having the if you would choose the monkey over the ring <laughs> <laughs> keep in mind this monkey does have a gun but anyway anyways so uh topic today the mandela effect it's pretty uh pretty interesting uh theory um steve what do you what do you know about the mandela effect I, I, I know that it is pronounced the, the Berenstain Bears, not the Berenstain Bears. That, that's what I... That's one of them, yes. That's what I can tell you. So, the, Bears. the Mandela Effect is this... Uh, just It's a name given to a really interesting phenomenon that uh, is basically about false memories. Or... Uh, I mean, false memories it, it, it is what we can we can attribute it to, but a lot of uh, a lot of people think that it's actually the um, multiple universes colliding and us remembering things that either didn't happen in our reality or uh, or the essentially the change of written history or recorded history, I should say. So one right. one of the more famous ones, uh, as as you mentioned right now, is uh, the Berenstein Bears, uh, which a lot of people uh, rem remember it as the Berenstein Bears. Uh, a lot of people, or, or like if you, if you go back and look now, it's actually the Berenstein Bears, and apparently always has been. Um, so that's the thing; nobody ever called it the Berenstein Bears. Like growing up, it was never called that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I would specifically remember that. But like, you know, it's like a tomato tomato type thing. Like, you hear it and, and how other people pronounce things. No, I never once heard Baron Stane. I've always, always heard Baron Stane. Right. Yeah. And I, I always, I always remember it at the Baron Stane. Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't think I know anybody that remembers it as the Baron Stein Bears. But um, 
it, 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 it's weird, but it's Berenstein. Yeah. Berenstein. Thing. It, it's not. It, it's E I N, not A I N. I A. Whatever the, the weird spelling is. Yeah. So it, the name, uh, the Mandela effect, actually comes from another one of the, um, another one of the uh, the weird memory uh, misrememberings, if you want to call it that. Uh, and it's because a lot of people apparently remember uh, Nelson Mandela dying in prison, which. Um, uh, he didn't do, and that's that's one one of the ones that that I don't actually uh, remember having ha- have happened. Yeah, I, I don't remember that one either. Like, um, I'm aware of it. But yeah, I, I mean, we were so young that we didn't really talk about Nelson Mandela at least when we were in school. Right. Um, I, I don't remember them ever mentioning anything like that. But yeah, a lot of people seem to remember him dying in prison, and. Um, he actually didn't die until, uh, I think it was like uh, 2013, and he was obviously uh, out of prison uh, at the time, so he, he never actually died in prison, uh, according to our written history. Um, but there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of other weird ones. Um, for example, the uh, Monopoly. Have you heard of that one? Which one, the Monopoly? Yeah. No, which one's that? So. Uh, the Mr. Moneybags. Yeah. What do you remember him looking like? Uh, he had a top hat, a monocle, or kind of like a, one of those penguin, rich, rich guy suits, mustache. Yeah. I think he had it at one point. Right. So, apparently he's never had a monocle. What? Yeah. Mr. Moneybags Wait. from Monopoly has never had a monocle. Wait a minute. I, have a, I happen to have Monopoly uh, board right in front of me. All right. <laughs> oh my God, he doesn't have a monocle. Right. Yeah, that that's another weird one. Um, you know... No way, he had a monocle. I can... So I can I kind can, of... I, can, I, can, I, can, I can kind of see where the argument... Oh comes in some of these that you know it could just be false memories or or just misremembering things um with this right. one i think uh, one of the big explanations is a lot of people are putting uh the memories that they have of mr peanut you know who is kind of similar and he always did have a monocle and imprinting that onto monopoly although i would say that i do also remember Mr. Moneybags having a monocle. Um, but I could see why you can make that argument as well of it of us just misremembering that with, because of uh, Mr. Peanut. But you know, maybe, maybe our brains are conditioned to see people of that character a certain way in our head. True. Like, if I go, mm, yeah. Right. Immediately going to think about, like, adjusting a monocle and, you know, maybe... Our brains just somehow assume that onto the character, and we see what isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like that, a bear skinning bears. That, that is just the one that nobody can explain. It was the motherfucking bear skinning bears. It was like <laughs> bear staining bears. Right. There it is. <laughs> I would remember distinctly teacher saying bear and stain, and I scratch my head. And be like, oh, I thought it was bear and stain. That never happened. <laughs> and just carried on. So someday, like a few years ago, somebody pointed out, "Oh, guys, it's not fair to see the Berenstain." It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then you look at all the context of the Berenstain Bears, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Somebody reprogrammed the Matrix here. It, it, it's like our childhood was alive. So, uh, another, we- another pretty wild one. So there, there's actually a lot of, a lot of movie ones, um, you know, like lines from movies and stuff like that. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. I'm sure you're familiar with the film, right, Steve? Of course. So what's the famous line from that movie? The ha- the um, famous Hannibal Lecter line. So many famous lines. Like if, if you, th- 
that of fava beans and the Chianti and yeah. like that, or place the lotions in the basket, or else you get the hose again, or I fucked me. I mean, there, there's so many good lines in that. <laughs> Think specifically Hannibal Lecter talking to, uh, talking to the main FBI agent, uh, Clarice. Yeah. So, okay. uh, I think what a lot of, a lot of people are going to remember, uh, the famous line from there is, you know, the whole, hello Clarice thing, right? Yeah. So apparently he never says that in the movie. Wait, what? Yeah. Th- that line, what line did he say? hello Clarice is actually never, uh, never said. Really? Yeah, that one. That one's interesting. You know what? And I, I could probably attribute this to most of the the movie lines that we're going to be talking about, since there are a lot of them. But I could see it just being a, you know, there's so many parodies of of famous lines like this, and when right. one of them, like you know, changes it or whatever. And then that, you know, starts coming into our memory, and then we just start remembering it, it, it as that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like... Like, uh... Like, this one, for example, I, I believe it's, uh... He says good morning to her. And, like, good morning, Clarice, or something like that. But he never actually says, like, hello, Clarice, which is, you know, what, what's, like, always parodied in, in things when they're trying to reference now that. You, now that you say it, I actually remember him saying good morning, Clarice. Good morning, <laughs> or like the really? um. Wow. Whoa, right now. Another one is the the fucking um. What is it? Uh, Forrest Gump. The the life yeah. the life uh, is like a box of chocolates thing. Whatever is actually yeah. always misquoted. Right. Like a box of chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> Never know what you're going to get. Which is apparently not the line at all. I mean, it, it, it goes on to explain itself, but he says that in the movie. Happens like a box of chocolate. <laughs> and then he eats one, he's like, you never know what you're going to get. Like, he's chomping on the chocolate when he says, when he delivers the line. The one, the one I think that I, that I, uh, I definitely remember um, being weirded out by was the whole Shazam thing. Shazam Kazam. Like, Sinbad not being in a movie called Shazam. That, I swear to God, I remember from, like, being a kid. No, Sinbad was in a movie called Shazam. Apparently he never was. He's gone on record as saying, I was never in a movie called Shazam. Uh, as a genie, right? Like, that's what you remember? No, I remember Shaq was a genie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I never saw the movie. I don't remember, but I, I remember seeing like the ads for it. I, I, I can. Wait, what? Yes. Shazam, starring Sinbad, has never, yeah. well, never existed. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh no. Oh, what a YouTube bet. Am I just blowing your mind? That no, that that that's a oh, that's a wild one for me. Mid nineties ish movies. I think it was kinda Yeah, like early as a, 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 a Shaq one. Yeah, so the the Shaq one actually came out in nineteen ninety six. Um yeah. Sinbad was, you know, in, like, kids' movies in, like, the early 90s. Like, he was in, um, uh, if you remember that movie, The uh, First Kid, I think he's, like, a Secret Service agent, and he's, like, protecting, uh, the president's kid or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun movie. So there was that, um, and, you know, some of the, some of the, um, one of the one of the things that you know people say to that might be a cause of this misremembering is uh, apparently that movie First Kid 
actually has a trailer for Kazam in front of it, you know, uh, on the VHS tape back when they used to have like, you know, throw trailers in front of <laughs> in front of movies like that. Uh, so like it was on the tapes. trailer for a movie called Shazam, right? No, it was for Kazam, the Shaq one. Oh, okay. But yeah, allegedly the Shazam movie starring Sinbad uh, has never existed. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it came out around the same era. It's it's wild. It's it's uh it's pretty wild shit. Um. Oh, like you remember it too, right? Oh, absolutely. That was the one that really initially got me interested in in this, like that, and the the whole obviously the whole Berenstein and Berenstein thing. Um. But uh, the Shazam thing, like, when I first heard that that wasn't real, I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's that's crazy. Oh, that, that rattles my head. <laughs> You're going to be thinking about that shit all day. Jeez. But, um, apper apparently wow. there's still stuff kind of happening that's, you know coming up um and it's, it's possible that some of this stuff is uh is still kind of changing but uh and i remember i texted you about this the other week when i initially heard about this but um and you know maybe for the people that are listening uh i'd be very curious as to whether or not you guys remember any of this stuff but if you remember, Steve, the other the other week I texted you asking if you remembered uh, ever hearing about any attacks by the Japanese on the U.S. besides uh, Pearl Harbor, and you hadn't, no. or, or 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 well, maybe not specifically by the Japanese, but any like attacks on, on around that time, and you know right. we, we did. Yeah, there was the Battle of Los Angeles, which we still don't even really know exactly what that was. But, and, you know, that was the only one that I was aware of, but apparently there were at least five attacks on U.S. soil during that time, uh, besides, you know, besides the, the, the one that we all knew of, which was just absolutely insane to me, because, like, I don't remember ever learning where, about where, any where of these. Exactly where we attack? I mean, uh, uh, Hawaii and Guam, I, I mean, do those count? So we're talking California, Oregon, Washington, like the the West Coast, essentially, like mainland U.S. Really? Yeah, which yeah. and that shit just blew my mind. Like there were, you know, there were like uh, submarine attacks. There were bombings. Really? Let's see. I, uh, I, I don't remember hearing anything of that. Yeah, and it's. Pretty crazy, like, let's like, see. That would be something that you would think they would try to nudge at in history books. So, uh, after the attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941, a small contingent of Jap Japanese uh, submarines was dispatched east to patrol the California coastline. On February 23, 1942, the Japanese submarine uh, I-17 slinked in a channel near Elwood Oil Field, a large oil well and storage facility outside of Santa Barbara. After surfacing, the submarine lobbed 16 shells at Elwood Beach from its lone deck gun before submerging and fleeing into the open ocean. Off the coast of Santa Barbara. And then bombing of Fort Stevens. Fort Stevens, I think, was that... Yeah, that was along the Oregon coastline. Yeah, I've never heard of any of these. And there was there's a few other ones. There was there's this one really weird one where they did like they did they use like balloon bombs or some shit. Like they tied they tied um all these like uh all these bombs to this uh this like balloon type thing and like flew it onto the mainland. It seems <laughs> it looks like some fucking Doctor Robotnik shit. <laughs> Like, 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 is a fucking level in Sonic or something? Does it have human lives on it or something? <laughs> like, 
But, so apparently, nearly 350 of these bombs actually made it across the Pacific, and several were intercepted or shot down by the U.S. military from 1944 to 1945. Balloon bombs were spotted in more than 15 states, some as far east as Michigan and Iowa. The only fatalities came from a single incident in Oregon, where a pregnant woman and five children were killed in an explosion after coming across one of these downed balloons. Their deaths are considered the only combat casualties to occur on U.S. soil during World War II. Really? But yeah, they were... Let's see. Uh, starting in 1944, the Japanese military constructed and launched over 9,000 high-altitude balloons, each loaded with nearly 50 pounds of anti-personnel and incendiary explosives. Amazingly, these unmanned uh, balloons originated from over 5,000 miles away in the Japanese home islands. After being launched, the specifically designed hydrogen balloons would ascend to an altitude of 30,000 feet and ride the jet stream across the Pacific Ocean and the mainland U.S. The bombs were triggered to drop after three of the after the three-day journey was completed, hopefully over a city or wooded region that would catch fire. Never heard of that. Mm. Never heard that before. Until like two or three weeks ago. When I heard some people talking about it on a podcast and was like, what the fuck? Like, I've never heard of that. And then started Googling it, it and was like, what the, what the shit? I can still visualize, like, the VHS cover of Shazam. I know, right? Okay, so, we're, we're going to play a game. You're going to tell me what you remember of the VHS cassette tape of Shazam, and I'm going to either agree or disagree with you. Okay. Okay. What do you remember about the VHS cover of Shazam? So, uh, I remember... I remember his arms being folded. Um, okay. Sinbad. I don't know if he had. I don't know if he had a hat in the cover, but I, re- I definitely remember the trailer was almost or like a, at least a clip from the movie of him like doing his whole like you know Sinbad like like uh, shtick where he like he was right. like you know like yelling at the yelling at the at the person, but it was like, it was like a first person view or whatever. So it was like, he was like yelling at the camera and he had his hands on his hips and like bending down. Like he was talking to like a little kid. Um, and I think I do remember him having like a yellow, like turban looking thing almost. Right. That's mainly the stuff that I remember. What what did his outfit look like? Like what, what, what style? Because I don't remember the trailer, but I want to, boil down the like, like that look. I think he had a vest. I don't think I don't he I don't think he had a shirt. Like I think his arms were bare vest, right. um poofy pants. Yeah, he had like a, a kind of like a weird kind of decorative vest. He had his arms out, he was wearing like one of the Ali Ababa hats, right? Yeah. And I remember him being on the VHS cover with his arms crossed and like the big Shazam letters. Like he, he was, you know, coming up from behind it. One, hmm. one of those types of deals. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds very That's similar cool. to to my memories of it. But yeah, that that one that one's just wild. Like that it never it never existed. So, so where, where are we pulling this from? Because we've never talked about this before in our lives. Yeah. Hearing for the first time now that this movie Shazam didn't actually happen. That's wild, because I didn't, I didn't know that you actually didn't know about that. That's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, like... I don't, I don't remember the trailer. I just remember, like, knowing of it, mm-hmm. like, the commercials and whatnot. But, I mean, just general Sinbadiness. Right, because he was, you know, around that time he had, 
he had that show that was pretty pretty popular. I mean, I I know I was I, I was a big fan of it. I I, I really loved Sinbad uh, when I was a when I was a little kid. Um, in, in the early to mid nineties, that was the widely fall of Sinbad. <laughs> now he's doing stand up scores at the Ohio State Fair or something. I don't I don't know. Or he's on. He, he's doing the comedy styling for the the family friendly nine o'clock So, uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah. I really wish I could get my hands on that, uh, voicemail, um, left by, uh, John Travolta's agent begging him not to do the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I have vivid memories of Battlefielders. Looney Tunes. <laughs> You're right. Maybe, maybe there's a possibility that we're all just massless hallucinating Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker is, 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 is like some weird treadlock alien bad guy thing <laughs> with John Travolta. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, so um, obviously you you know uh, about the Looney Tunes, like you're aware of the Looney Tunes. Some stuff that we grew up watching, you know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy right. Duck, all that shit. Right. Um, how do you remember it being spelled? How do I remember it being what? Spelled. Spelled? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, L-O-O-N-Y-U-N-E-S? So, tunes as in, like, you know, like a song, right? Yeah, it's not T-U-N-S. It should be T-O-O-N-S. Because that's the whole thing, Looney, L-O-O, and then Toon, T. Hmm. So tunes like as, in, as in like cartoons? Yeah. That's yeah, how I you... I thought it was within a, like cartoons, like Looney, L-O-O, and then Toon, T-O-O. Okay, so that that's how you remember it, like spelled like cartoons, like L-O-O-N-E-Y. Minimum. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was a no. little... So, apparently, it is actually tunes, as in T-U-N-E-S. And it's always been T-U-N-E-S. Really? Yes. Another, the double O's. Another, uh, yeah, that's, that's another weird one. Um, actually, you know what? I wonder... I can do like a little on the fly experiment with this one. Interesting. Okay. You know what? I think I I think I know why we misremember that one. So Tiny Tunes is actually spelled T O O N S. Ah. I bet you that's why we remember that one as or we we probably apply that to Looney Tunes. And think of it that way. Because we were probably way more familiar with Tiny Toons as opposed to like the Looney Tunes. Like obviously we did watch Looney Tunes, but Tiny Toons was probably oh, like probably I, I, I grew up watching Looney Tunes. My father loved Looney Tunes. Yeah. God, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner was my favorite. My my father loves Foghorn Leghorn and I was so young at the time I I couldn't understand why he liked this guy. <laughs> I'm older, I understand. Like, oh I see the adult charm in Foghorn. <laughs> I get it now. Um, God, Daffy, I, I I grew up with him. 
somewhat. I mean, I was very young at the time, but once I started to become more aware, it was when Tiny Toons became super popular. And right. So I, I left on the bat. Yeah, uh, the how I spent my summer vacation. That movie. Oh, yeah. I have that on VHS in the man cave. Yeah, we we watched that um, one of the the recent times that I've been down there. The uh, oh, Happy World Land. Happy World Land. <laughs> okay, now here here's one that. Do you remember the Looney Tunes? How I spent my spring break. No. So when Looney Tunes, when when Tiny Tunes was in the peak of its glory, I remember one of my friends at the schoolyard, in the schoolyard, just you know, one day came up and said, "Oh, guys, did you see the how I spent my spring break?" And all of us were like, "No, what are you talking about? That never happened." He's like, "No, I swear, like." They made fun of Mickey Mouse, and you know they were going on a road trip to like someone's house or something. Just, huh. You know, it, it actually happened. It's like, no, that never happened. Turns out it was a straight TV animated movie. Interesting. It actually happened. You can find it, but it was just one of those weird things that you would think at the time would have been more hype, but nobody seems to know about it. <laughs> It's so weird. It's like a reverse Mandela effect. Right. So there's anyway, so. there's a couple of theories as to what could have happened um, that that's leading to to us, you know, having all these weird memories. Um, and it's you know, like whether whether or not a uh, a, a universe or whatever is, you know, crashing into ours, and you know, um, some of us are maybe it's changing our memories, or you know, we're we're becoming different people, or, or you know, something like that. Like the 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 version of us from like another universe is now is replacing the one in this universe, or well, you know, well, weird I shit like that. Hearing a speak a long time ago, I think it was possibly on Arcbell about 2012, and how um, with 2012, with, with the, you know, the end of the world or whatnot, it, it wasn't that, it was supposed to be like the merging of two different universes, and you know, those who are sensitive to it, we aware of it happening, but you know, the everyday people, like, we, we wouldn't notice the, the changes that were taking place. Right. So I, I remember hearing long ago on a uh, George Murray post post or that um that that was what she speculated would actually happen during 2012. It wasn't the end; it was a a, a convergence, mm. almost like a new beginning. Mm-hmm. So one of one of the um one of the theories going around that could be why um, why some of the stuff started happening how mm. some of these universes could have started uh, started um, merging is uh, is actually CERN uh, you know what CERN is the um, that big uh, research facility yeah, yeah, the, the in, collider, yeah, yeah. exactly in, in Switzerland so the one that could potentially create a black hole that can Exactly. Yeah. So some people think that maybe the first time it was turned on, like the the uh, the collider, um, that it actually ripped a hole in space and time and merged two universes together, and that's where some you know some of these um, some of these misrememberings started uh, started coming together. Or okay, like, so when did CERN get first powered up for the first time? Let's take a look. So here's what we can do. And this is something that can e- anybody can do. Let's see when they first fired up CERN and how many times they you know, did certain types of experiments. All that should be documented. So the Large 
Hadron Collider is the world's largest, most powerful particle accelerator. It first started up on September 10th, 2008. 2008? Yep. Okay, now, when did the rise of the Mandela effect take place? Let's see. You know, it would have to be, um, like, post-internet, obviously. Oh, of course. Because we would, uh, you okay. you'd have a, a collection of knowledge, but honestly, I, I wasn't really familiar with the Mandela effect until about 2010. So that is a good point, because I'm pretty sure that I just saw. I think that should lead to some so further research. See, in 2000... There's any correlation between the, 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 the research, the, the surge of these quote-unquote false memories and see how that relates to any sort of uh, experiments conducted. So in 2010, this shared false memory phenomenon was dubbed the Mandela Effect by self-described paranormal consultant Fiona Broom. In reference to a false memory, she reported on the death of South African leader Nelson Mandela in the 1980s, who was still, who was at this time still alive, which she claimed was shared by perhaps thousands of other people. Other such examples include memories of the Baron's Stain Bears, name previously being spelled as Baron Steen, and of a 1990s movie, Shazam, starring comedian Sinbad as a genie. Pseudoscience commentators such as Broom have speculated about alternate realities and as an explanation for such shared false memories. However, most science researchers and com commentators suggest that these are instead examples of false memories shaped by similar cognitive factors affecting multiple people, such as social and cognitive reinforcement of incorrect memories or false news reports and misleading photographs that, that influence the formation of memories based on them. For example, uh, the false memories of Shazam have been explained as a conflation of memories of the comedian wearing a genie costume during a TV presentation of Sinbad the Sailor uh, movies in 1994 and a similarly named 1996 film Kazam featuring a genie played by Shaquille O'Neal. Sinbad the Sailor. Gonna have to look this up. Okay, so, but you said... Initially, this came about in about 2010? 2010 is when that name initially, uh, w when it was dubbed. Okay so, okay, so what did I just say before that? I didn't know what this was until 2010. Yep. Up until that point, it, it was, yes, and it was something I never even thought of. Like, it's, oh, it's just, you know, Sinbad was in that terrible Shazam movie that I never saw. <laughs> you know, you could think about stuff like that. But Baron Steen, you know, I grew up with that. Teachers reading that, like I, I remember vividly them saying Berenstein Bears, and I never said Berenstein Bears. So, my memory of that seemed to happen in 2010 when people started questioning these things. They're like, well, wait a minute. And that was oddly enough two years after the activation of the Hadron Collider that was possible reality warping capabilities. Right. Not saying that it is, but I find it interesting. See, there you go. We, we could be onto something. Heard it here, folks. Interesting. So, got your head around that one, Adrian. What about you? Do you remember maybe when these memories started to come into question? I don't specifically remember any any um dates or anything like that. Now, now, now keep in mind the internet started to really blossom at around nineteen ninety eight. We've had high speed internet since the two thousands. Like right. it, 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 it's been you know, it, internet has grown up really, really quickly to where past the year two thousand not a lot of people are using dial up. There's all cable and DSL. So we we had this level of information exchange, and why is it that it took 12 years for people to come to the common consensus of, hey, wait a minute, what happened to Nelson Mandela? Why, why are people now talking about the Baron Stain Bears? And it was clearly this. And, you know, 
series. So it, it, it's odd that it took 12 years for it to reach that point of cultural awareness. Because usually if somebody says something big like that, really click on the internet. Right. This is, I mean, I, I'm being generous. This, this is 10 years. 10 years of internet. So I've got some more interesting dates regarding CERN and the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, so okay. its its first operational run lasted from 2009 to 2013. So on November 20th, 2009, low-energy beams circulated in the tunnel for the first time since the incident. Uh, the incident was a uh, an incident in the uh, the quench. Uh, of the Large uh, Hadron Collider in uh, September of 2008. So that kind of shut things down for a little bit. Um, and then in 2009, November, uh, in November of 2009, they started running it, uh, running it up again. So shortly after, on November 30th, the LHC uh, achieved 1.18 TEV beam uh, TEVs per beam to become the world's highest energy particle accelerator, beating the Tevatron's previous record of 0.98 TEV per beam held for eight years. The early part of 2010 saw the continued ramp-up of beam in energies and early physics experiments towards 3.5 TEV per beam and on uh March 30th, 2010, the LHC set a new record for high-energy collisions by colliding proton beams at a combined energy of 7 TEVs. So, before that, the Tevatron had, a, had the previous record of 0.98 TEVs per beam. In 2010, the LHC hit 7 TEVs. That's more than seven times the amount. Wow. And the attempt was the third that day after two unsuccessful attempts in which the protons had to be dumped from the collider and new beams had to be injected. This also marked the start of the main research program. The first proton run ended on November 4th, 2010. A run with lead ions started on November 8th, 2010 and ended on December 6th, 2010, allowing the ALICE experiment uh, to study matter under extreme conditions similar to those shortly after the Big Bang. Adrian, are you, are you reading this? Because I know you, you normally do your research. Are you reading all this for the first time? Um, I mean, I was uh, I was familiar with a lot of the stuff that uh, that happened with CERN and the Large Hadron Collider, but I didn't quite realize before that the dates were so similar. Like, I didn't I didn't know that the Mandela effect was dubbed in two thousand ten. Or that all the all these like CERN experiments with the Large Hadron Collider were going on around the same time. I knew that uh, that CERN and the Large Hadron Collider was a big um, was a big theory regarding like you know the the beginning of this whole Mandela effect. But I didn't I didn't quite realize that uh, that it was like so so interconnected that it could you know really be a huge a huge part of of why these memories like started intersecting. And wow. then, and then, you know, that 2012 date comes up again. So CERN originally planned the LHC would run through the end of 2012 with a short break at the end of 2011 to allow for an increase in beam energies from 3.5 to 4 tevs per beam. At the end of 2012, the LHC was planned to get shut down until around 2015 to allow an uh, upgrade to a planned energy beam of 7 TeV per beam. In late 2012, in light of the July 2012 discovery of the Higgs boson, the shutdown was po postponed for some weeks in early 2013 to allow additional data to be obtained before shutdown. So it ran through the end of 2012, and they shut it down in early 2013. So there's that 2012 date again, which obviously, you know, was a big thing 
uh, to the Mayans. Uh, it was always like, you know, a big uh, doom prophecy. And then like you were saying, um, with uh, uh, Nori and um, Coast to Coast, uh, they talked about it being not quite an, an end of the world scenario, but maybe a uh, a new, the beginning of a new world. Which is, mm. if you... If you go back and look at uh, at you know like, like the Mayan uh, calendar and it just um, it ending in 2012, uh, a lot of people thought that it meant you know like doom and gloom, like you know the world is going to end and all that. But realistically, right. that's not really what they were saying. What they were saying was that was just the end of the calendar, in that it was going to be the right. end uh, of that recorded history and afterwards would begin anew which kind of you know plays into the, to what uh what they were talking about on coast to coast um and potentially if you look at it with uh with the LHC and with CERN that could be that could be a thing cuz yeah i mean they right. they they stopped running it at the end of 2012 to upgrade it in uh in uh twenty thirteen. Upgrade a stage launch glider like what, 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 what does that look like? <laughs> right. So. Uh, but more parts, boy. What 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 could that possibly look like in your head? <laughs> when somebody describes to you, we are updating the world's largest stage launch collider. Have you seen pictures of this monster? This thing's gigantic. Yeah. Like, it, what does an upgrade to that look like? So uh, apparently, uh, so they they shut it down in February of 2013 for two years to upgrade it. Uh, they did like a lot of a lot of um, magnets. It was a lot of like uh, like uh, internal stuff. They right. upgraded the electrical connectors between the bending magnets to um to handle the current that they were trying to that they were trying to to upgrade. Um, and they started it back up in 2015, it looks like. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, th I think that we can just make a whole other show just based off the research that you find and what these... Yeah. And, like, there... And this stuff is all fairly easy to find. Like right now, I'm just on the Wikipedia of the Large Hadron Collider. Um, so, actually, I'm looking at a timeline right now. I wonder if I could find. Let's see. So back to the whole the whole Mandela effect thing, dubbed in 2010 by this Fiona Broom lady. In September of 2008, CERN successfully fired the first protons around the entire tunnel circuit and stages. The magnetic right. quench incident occurred uh, in September of 2008, uh, nine days after they initially fired the first protons. We'll go down, let's see. The first time that they were able to collide the beams at 7 was in March of 2010. November of 2010 was the start of the first run with lead ions. A month later was the end of the run with lead ions, and then they shut it down until for a couple months, until mm. early 2011. And then... So November 8th, 2012... The first observation of the very rare decay of the B meson in the two <laughs> muons, a majority test of supersymmetry theories showing results at 3.5 sigma that match the standard model rather than many of the super uh, symmetric or symmetrical uh, variants or something like that. Okay. But anyways, this stuff is all very sciency, <laughs> and uh, yeah, way above our heads. Evil comprehension. Yeah, <laughs> we're just like those those monkeys uh, from from uh, two thousand one, a space odyssey, uh, <laughs> looking at the.
I could I could definitely see why people would think that this has something to do with uh with you know changes in in our memories or changes in just the very fabric of space and time because it, it's essentially right. uh almost like a black hole that they're creating down there and appa- right. apparently they're working on on trying to build an even bigger one a larger oh, hadron be collider because <laughs> we need it bigger right <laughs> So, uh, another interesting thing, uh, that I heard recently was a theory that this was initially started a long, long time ago by, uh, Benjamin Franklin. So, are you aware with, uh, or are you aware of the Philadelphia experiment? So initially, there the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, what most people are gonna remember that as is this incident in God. I want to say it was like the the fifties, maybe. But essentially, it was a ship, like a U.S. battleship, off the coast, uh, off the east coast, that. Uh, they were running some experiments on it with, um, you know, some Tesla coils, and it actually right. teleported. Oh, that's really yeah. Uh, let me see if I can actually pull that up so I can reference a few things. Like teleported, teleported. Yeah, like the ship completely moved to another location. So the, the Philadelphia experiment is an alleged military experiment supposed to have been carried out by the U.S. Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania sometime around October 28, 1943. The U.S. Navy destroyer escort uh, USS Eldridge was claimed to have been rendered invisible or cloaked to enemy devices. The, the story first appeared in 1955 in letters of an unknown origin sent to writer and astronomer Morris K. Jessup, it is widely understood to be a hoax. The U.S. Navy maintains that no such experiment ever conducted, and the details of the story contradict well-established facts about the USS Eldridge, and the alleged claims do not conform to known physical laws. But essentially, the story is that they were they were running some experiment on there, uh, which they were initially trying. What they were initially trying to do was uh, was to cloak cloak this thing. They're trying to create some kind of like cloak that they could use, uh, obviously for military purposes. Uh, they were using uh, Tesla coils, and what happened is it ended up uh, teleporting to a completely different uh, area. I think Virginia. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. The conjecture then claims that the equipment was not properly recalibrated, and in spite of this, the experiment was repeated in October 1943. This time, the Eldridge not only became invisible, but it disappeared from the area in a flash of blue light and teleported to Norfolk, Virginia, over 2,000 miles away. It is claimed that the Eldridge sat for some time in view of men aboard the ship, the SS Andrew Verseth, whereupon the Eldridge vanished and then reappeared in Philadelphia at the site it had originally occupied. It was also said that the warship went approximately 10 minutes back in time. So, that is... Yeah, it's a fairly fairly, um, fairly well-known incident uh, in, you know, like, paranormal lore. It sounds familiar. Um, one of the things that's also kind of interesting is that, um, you know, uh, the, the, some of Tesla's technology was actually grabbed by, um, I think it was, uh, Trump's uncle or grandfather, but it was, it was, uh, one of, one of Trump's like family members were the first to 
to get their hands on on Tesla's uh, tech after he had uh, after you know he passed away. But uh, but anyways, back to the Philadelphia experiment. So when you talk about the Philadelphia experiment, that's the thing that a lot of people initially remember. But the Philadelphia experiment is actually the name of something, uh, another experiment that occurred in Philadelphia like uh, a lot longer ago. And it was uh, dubbed by, you know, in, in like papers and in and, um, journals and stuff like that by... Uh, of something that ben, that Benjamin Franklin had actually worked on, right? And he was, you know, he was work. He was doing a lot of a lot of experiments with uh, electricity. Obviously, there's you know the famous uh, kite thing that everyone knows about. But some people think that he had actually opened some kind of portals with his uh, experiments with electricity. And by doing so, actually caused uh, a rift in time. What's what's oh. really interesting is uh, I was seeing the number 40 come up a lot when I was looking at this. Um, and that they think that it was actually a... That he ripped a hole in space and time in like a forty by forty area, and that's it's still like things are still coming through, and the area is I guess from like Philadelphia to this point in like New York, I think uh, Mantucket, New York, uh, which is also you know there's also a lot of shit that went on there. That's where a lot of um a lot of the uh, a lot of the governments um uh experiments were going on as well you know a lot of mind control shit was happening there uh i, I think a lot of the, like the the um the shit i'm totally spacing on it but you know stranger things like that experiment that they did on 11 that uh occurred in that area like all all mm. those all those uh those mind control experiments that they were trying to to bring forth like psychic powers on people. Ah oh, fuck. Right. What what is the what is the name of that thing? It starts with an M. I'm totally spacing on that. Jeez. It sounds like so here's what we're gonna do. We're 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 a little past the hour. I think we should do some modest investigation as to the Operational experiments on on CERN. And how yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely um, uh, entire episodes that we can do on CERN. There's a lot of like weird shit that has happened there. There's actually a video on YouTube uh, apparently that you can find um, of some students or some people there like doing some weird ritual like, at CERN, like, where they're wearing, like, like, all this, like, ri uh, ritualistic, like, um, robes and stuff like that before they do, like, an experiment, um, and they, they've come out and said, yeah, there, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it, um, CERN, let me see if I could find it, and I can, uh, I'll tell you guys what to look up. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I found it. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, message it to me, and then when we close out, put it down in the description. Yeah, so people can take a look. And if you guys, uh, we'll we'll put a link. You guys can find this as well. All you have to do is type in mock human sacrifice ceremony at CERN. And this oh. is a real thing that I'm watching right now. Which is crazy, but yes, um, we'll uh, we'll we'll put that in the comments. We're gonna do some more research on CERN, and we'll do we'll do an episode in the future because there's obviously like a lot of crazy shit that has happened there, um, and that's probably still happening. I'm sure that there's there's some stuff that that's happening there right now. Uh, there's videos on CERN that you guys can find that's put on by them, you know, so. Who knows, like, how, you're probably not going to see anything like that interesting there, but 
on their website, you can like actually uh, follow their experiments on what they're you know doing officially. Um, but there's you know plenty of stuff out there as well, uh, plenty of theories on what's really going on there and what they're really trying to do. And you know, it I would I wouldn't be surprised if that they actually did something with with this large hadron collider you know we can we can only theorize like so much of like what would actually happen when we turn these kinds of things on but when you're actually really right. doing it like who knows like what kind of effect that that has and there's all, all sorts of theories on uh, as to like what kind of effect that actually did have you know some people think that like the, the again the mandela effect it was caused by it some people think that it actually destroyed the universe and we're all actually dead now and and this is you know a purgatory that we're sitting in like not really realizing it that would be pretty wild um but yeah but yeah guys uh we're again we're at about the hour mark so i think uh i think we're gonna we're gonna uh call it in um really quick though before we log off for this week let's take a moment to Thank our corporate overlords over at InfiniteCBD.com. Yes, definitely, guys. Um, if you follow me on social media, you've seen uh, that I've been I've been I've been spending the past couple months getting quite a few tattoos. I have my next one scheduled uh, in the next couple weeks, but um, every time I've been getting one of these uh, after I take the bandage off, you know, after it's healed for a couple days, I've been using their afterglow product, which is, you know, absolutely amazing. It's helped, uh, the, it's helping the tattoos heal very nicely. It's, um, it's this wonderful little oil that has, um, a lot of, uh, antiseptic, uh, properties. And also obviously with the, the CBD element, it also helps with the, uh, with the swelling and, and, and the healing. And then with that as well, I've been taking those uh, those gummies, and they actually recently just launched the new uh, the new flavor, uh, the sour gummies, which I did get to try uh, the other week, and they actually are quite amazing. So highly recommend those as well. But they they literally have like they have something for for like any kind of any kind of way you could you could think of using CBD. They they have a version of it. They have they have shit for your hair for to help with hair regrowth. Wow. Like they've got um they have a they have a new thing uh, that I also uh, picked up recently. That's that's pretty awesome. So you know the uh, that lotion that we were using before, like the cream. They have it now yeah. in like a stick form, which makes it a lot easier because now you can just straight rub it on you without you know having to get your hands all greasier. Or anything like that, and worry about oh, wow. accidentally touching your eye or anything. <laughs> um, but they've also got uh, obviously the the lube, which we are are big fans of. It um, Possibly. yeah, it helps uh, helps to 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 lubricate and keep things nice and flowy for uh, for the fun times. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, highly recommend them. InfiniteCBD.com. Uh, our promo code again is Tide Ten. That's T Y D E one zero, and that's going to get you ten percent off. Uh, make sure to check them out. Uh, check their products out. They again, they have they have something for for everything. They even have uh, have pet stuff. Uh, and I, I did get some for for my dog uh, back home in California. Um, so guys, check them out. Um, stay tuned for more episodes from us. Uh, like we said, we're going to talk about CERN. I think uh, in the next couple months we might finally get to our uh, our JFK episodes. I've um I've been thinking about that one a lot lately. I think I what have I, you been researching that? Yeah, so I think I think what I'd actually like to do, and this is the first time I'm mentioning I'm mentioning this, but I think how I'd actually like to do this is to do several episodes because obviously you know the JFK thing was was a huge thing. I'd like to do several episodes. And each one be one version of what this could have been. So I'd like to do one of, you know, like the the government doing it. One of, you know, maybe it was the mob. One of uh, maybe the assassination being like a ritual sacrifice, which is one that I've actually been looking at like a lot lately. Um, and I think that one, that one would be really interesting. But I think like doing like well, maybe... I, I, I'm more interested in the theory that he was assassinated because I already just dropped the truth about extraterrestrials. 
Yeah, and there's 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 like there's tons of different theories. So I'd like to do I'd like to dedicate an episode to each one of these theories because that's you know there there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of documentaries out there uh, about JFK, but they're always they always seem to be focused on on one idea. So I think it'd be really interesting if we did one episode where we just talked about each theory. That way, you know, right. we have like three, four, five, six of these and, you know, people can listen to them and, and you know, form their own conclusion because we can present, like, all, all this I'm, different kinds of evidence. I'm curious, I'm curious as to how Marilyn Monroe played it apart from that. Yeah, definitely. There's all, there's all sorts of things. Um, but obviously that's going to require a ton of research, so that one's going to be a little bit further down the line. But, again, that one's in the pipeline, so stay tuned, guys. We'll, uh, we'll keep you updated. That said, I am Steve, reporting from Chateau Osimbo, and this is Adrian. And this has been, yeah, this has been an episode of the Tide Podcasts, and like always. One forget, I I forgot to mention this, Uh, before we go, a quick PSA to all of the Kyles, Chad, and Karen, who plan on throwing themselves bravely into the deserts of Area 51. Just remember to stay hydrated. Make buddies with the Kyle, and make sure you have good phone reception for them when your, your your parents need to come and pick you up. Don't go quietly into that good night. No, do not go quietly into the night. This so, is your Independence Day. Of, uh, I storm the battles like a, like a torn board sheet, like you guys collectively can reveal the truth of Area Fifty One. Well, what we need is somebody with a megaphone to play that clip from Independence Day, uh, the president's speech, just to, you know, yeah. rile everyone up right before they storm, they storm the gates. They storm right. the Bastille. But then, before they turn to leave, there'll be the one autistic kid who will be amongst the, the first <laughs> the front line who will turn to everybody and with a smile say, for Frodo. <laughs> he's he's gonna be like the the character the Randy Quaid character sacrificing himself, jumping into <laughs> into like the like, <laughs> into the tank or whatever to to explode it and <laughs> um back. <laughs> oh man! But any guys, anyways, guys, good luck. The raids in five days. Godspeed. Keep watching the skies, everyone. Keep watching the skis. Stay hydrated, uh, stay hydrated, preferably with water, but let's face it, water doesn't give you the supercharge that a monster energy will. So have that be your, your, your red pill. That'll be your your spinach to Popeye. Back <laughs> open that monster, and that'll give you a plus three against all camo dudes you encounter. <laughs> oh, man. And it will also unlock a Kyle's Berserker strength. So if you are a, an anime weed who befriends the Kyle who has exhausted himself and you happen to have a monster energy you can give that to the exhausted Kyle that will supercharge his berserker ability for him to be punching through the drywall so you can casually follow from behind <laughs> so all you weeds up there who plan on participating please remember to take care of your Kyle Pull off a fastball special, guys. Keep watching the skis.